Welcome, my flourishing friends, to episode number 37. In today's episode, we are going to talk about sustainable fashion. Now, if that sounds like an oxymoron to you, it's probably because you have heard about the enormous environmental and social impacts of the fashion industry. We're going to look at what are some of the issues, especially associated with fast fashion, and what are the solutions for this fashion industry and for our own closets. They are out there. Let's dive in. I'm Christina Hunter, and you are listening to the Live Well Green podcast, all about sustainable well-being and green living. We explore how to do what is good for the planet and for ourselves in order to truly flourish. In addition to being a necessity, clothing can also help make us feel great and look great. So it is something that we do pay attention to, and we really need to pay more attention to the impacts and how we can change those and reduce the harmful impacts on the environment and on the workers in the industry. So even though fashion can be fun, it can have huge environmental impacts. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, says that the fashion industry produces about 10% of the globe's carbon dioxide emissions every year, which is quite significant. In addition to that, the fashion industry is responsible for using trillions of liters of water each year and is responsible for large amounts of pollution, everything from chemical wastes to microplastics to the garments themselves. And a big part of the problem is the emergence of something called fast fashion. This is where we have production of clothing that has increased dramatically. One report from the consulting agency McKinsey indicated that our production of clothing has doubled between the year 2000 and 2014, but yet we are keeping our garments for only about half as long. In addition, apparel consumption is projected to rise by another 63% in the next 10 years. And unfortunately, Less than 1% of all clothing produced globally is actually recycled. So fast fashion is seen to be a big part of the problem. How do we define this term fast fashion? Well, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, they define it as an approach to the design, creation, and marketing of clothing fashions that emphasizes making fashion trends quickly and cheaply available to consumers, end of quote. So fast fashion promotes a culture of ever-changing trends and makes these trends accessible using rapid production and low-quality materials to deliver items at low cost. Many brands such as Zara, H&M, Forever 21, and so on 
produce multiple micro seasons per year, anywhere between 12, 24, and even 52 micro seasons. That's one per week, which is really hard to understand. This is done using low quality materials and cheap manufacturing processes, which means that the clothing doesn't last and it's cheap to the consumer, but definitely not cheap to the environment or to the workers in the fashion industry. So how do we get to sustainable fashion from here? This fashion industry is actually really complex. It includes everything from large-scale agriculture, which is producing the natural fibers like cotton that we're using in some of our garments, and all of the impacts associated with growing cotton, including pesticide use, fertilizer use, water consumption, and CO2 emissions. In fact, cotton is one of the most chemical-intensive crops in the world. It relies heavily on insecticides and other pesticides, and this reliance on these chemicals also contributes to pesticide poisoning incidents in the workers that use these chemicals and in their families. In addition to that, cotton has the highest water footprint of any fashion fiber. Then we also have in the fashion industry an association with the petrochemical industry where they are using petroleum products to create those synthetic fibers like polyester. And we have an increasing use of polyester in our textiles and it has all kinds of associated impacts, not just from the chemical industry, but also from the use of energy and water to produce it. It is estimated that 70 million barrels of oil a year are used to make polyester fibers for our clothing, according to one report in the BBC. The yarn and textile manufacturing uses thousands of chemicals, many of which are toxic. A report that came out in the journal Nature Reviews in April of 2020 in an article titled The Environmental Price of Fast Fashion by Nini Mackey et al. reviewed the research on the fashion industry. And I have a quote from this review article. And they say, In one Swedish study, 2,450 chemicals related to textile manufacturing were investigated for their hazardous properties. 10% of these chemicals were identified to be of high potential concern for human health, including fragrances and acid-type azo dyes, as well as reproductive toxins such as brominated flame retardants, highly fluorinated water, stain repellents, and phthalates. Additionally, antibacterial agents are also added into textiles, which can lead to an increased antibiotic resistance. 5% of the chemicals investigated were of high potential concern for the environment, where they can spread globally and bioaccumulate or gradually increase in concentration in organisms, causing disease, allergic reactions, and increasing cancer risk. For example, chemicals used to waterproof textiles, which are mostly chemically stable floral polymers, 
are even found in remote Arctic locations and in the bodies of polar bears and seals, demonstrating the global impact of chemical use during textile manufacturing. In general, though, it is clear and known that fashion companies look to save production costs through manufacturing in locations with lax environmental regulation and where pollution-mitigating technologies are not needed. This mode of manufacturing leads not only to high environmental impacts from chemical usage, but increased health risks for factory workers, cotton farmers, and fashion consumers. End of quote. So we see here that there are multiple environmental and human health impacts associated with textile manufacturing. Then when we get into the topic of garment manufacturing, the sewing the garments themselves and the trims manufacturing, there are additional impacts. In addition to the waste from the trims as well as the energy use, we have strong social impacts because in this industry, we have high levels of working conditions in the factories that are very unsafe and often unregulated, where many workers are not paid a living wage and the average work week is well above 40 hours per week. We can only think back to the disaster at the Rana Plaza garment factory in Dhaka, Bangladesh in 2013, in which the building collapsed, killing 1,134 garment workers and injuring an additional 2,500 people. It was the deadliest structural failure incident in modern human history. They knew that there were cracks in the building and the workers had identified safety concerns with that structure, but they were still coerced into going into work or have their pay withheld. So it was a really huge tragedy. And in the Rana Plaza garment factory that collapsed, they were manufacturing clothes for name brands like Prada, Gucci, The Children's Place, Joe Fresh, Walmart, and many others in really unsafe conditions. This incident speaks to the horrific safety violations that can occur in the fast fashion and garment factories that lack worker rights and regulations. In fact, of the 29 brands that source products from the Rana Plaza garment factory, only nine of them attended meetings regarding victim compensation. In addition to these issues, we also have large concerns associated with the impacts to climate change. We have millions of barrels of oil being used to make those synthetic fibers each year. And the textiles and the garments themselves are often shipped long distances. Usually a garment will go once or more times around the globe during its production. And unfortunately, there has been an increasing trend towards increasing the speed of that travel by using air cargo rather than shipping. And that air cargo dramatically increases the carbon footprint of each garment. 
In the article I mentioned in the journal Nature Reviews, titled The Environmental Price of Fast Fashion, they say that the average t-shirt has an impact of 2.6 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent in emissions over its lifespan. And a pair of jeans has on average 11.5 kilograms of CO2 equivalent emissions. About 20% of those emissions are coming from the use of the garment itself, primarily through laundering. But 60 to 80% of the garment's CO2 emissions are coming from the production cycle. So this is really enormous. Then we have to be concerned with the end of life of our garments. There is a huge amount of waste textiles from the fashion industry. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency estimated in 2017 that the U.S. alone produced 10.2 million metric tons of textiles that were ending up in landfills due to consumer behavior, and another 2.9 million metric tons of textiles were incinerated as a result of U.S. fashion consumption each year. Now, the majority of this waste from the U.S. industry is shipped overseas to Africa, and there only about 1% of those textiles are recycled. And when we say recycling in the textile industry, that usually means just mechanically shredding the textile, which shortens the fiber, and then using that shredded textile for fill for other products. Now, this is what we call downcycling because it is a lower end product. Those shortened fibers will not be able to be reused in any meaningful way after they've been used as this fill material. So there's no perpetual use of this recycling of our textiles. It is possible to chemically recycle polyester and retain the fiber length. Unfortunately, almost none of our polyester is actually chemically recycled, except for a few rare examples like the company Patagonia, which is a value-driven outdoor clothing company, and they do employ fiber-to-fiber recycling of its polyester fleece. So recycling is minimal, and it's generally downcycling. Now, where do we go from here? Really, the industry as a whole must shift. It's clearly unsustainable, but we must find accountability at all stages of the industry, from the production of natural fibers in agriculture, where we need to shift towards more organic cotton and low input natural fibers, to the synthetics that are used in manufacturing clothing, shifting away from petroleum-based polyester, And in the manufacturing itself, we need to increase our pollution control mechanisms and minimize the use of heavy metals and toxins that end up going into wastewaters. We need to improve the working conditions and pay of the workers all the way through the industry. We need to explore emerging processes to reduce waste in manufacturing, processes that produce no waste dye and reduce pattern offcuts and create seamless knitting and use less energy and so on. 
Ultimately, the industry must shift from a linear throughput model to a circular model, which is one based on this idea of cradle to cradle, which I go into more detail in in episode number 11. So head on back to that for a review of the cradle to cradle concept. So what can we do about our fashion industry? Really, we need to reduce, reuse, and rethink the entire industry. When we think about reduction, we really want to reduce our consumption of fast fashion. We need consumers to stop looking for the latest trends at very cheap prices. One protester outside of London's Fashion Week in February of 2020 held a sign that said, this year's must have the continuation of life on earth. What a wonderful way to summarize what we need from the fashion industry. That is the must have. We really need a mindset shift in terms of what we should be expecting from our industry and reductions in the overall throughput model. Then when we think about reuse, we need to think about reusing the clothing that we have, looking at thrift shops, which I enjoy frequenting, as well as consignment stores or having clothing swaps with our friends and so on. When we get into the rethinking aspect of it, we need to think what is sustainable fashion? This is this movement towards socially and environmentally conscious manufacturing of clothing that involves fair wages for workers and safe working conditions, where we have environmentally conscious items that are used in fabric production and in the methods of production themselves, where pieces are made to last, and where we might even be able to support local manufacturing and local fashion industries. One of the cool initiatives around this is the red carpet green dress to promote sustainable clothing at red carpet events and boost the profile of sustainability needs in the fashion industry. And there are some great companies already getting into this, both large and small. There's a company called Bowden in the UK that's known for women's dresses, but also makes men's and children's apparel that's really into sustainable fashion. I mentioned Patagonia, this US-based outdoor gear company that is known for fair trade outdoor clothing and using recycled materials as well as organic cotton. And then there's another company called Able, which is US-based, that's a feminist brand that's focused on giving women opportunities to provide for themselves. Then in Canada, we have a brand named Encircled, which produces in small batches and uses upcycled materials. So there are companies out there that are working towards sustainability. But what about us? What can we do? Well, I have seven great tips for you to get more sustainable with your fashion right now. Tip number one, reinvent what you already own. Now, the irony is I'm standing here in my closet recording this because, of course, home studios are what we're doing these days. But here I am looking at my clothing and thinking, what can I reinvent? Can I use something in a new way, pair it with something different, or tailor it so it looks different? That's a great first step. 
The second tip I have for you is to consider buying vintage or secondhand clothing. There is so much clothing out there already. There are quality items out there that can suit your needs. And there are incredible online resources for that, including Etsy and Depop. Or you can just do a clothing swap with your friends. My tip number three is consider renting rather than owning. If you really do need something for a special event, there are all kinds of clothing rental companies out there. They're called Rent the Runway or another one is the Style Lend or Newly, N-U-U-L-Y. And the Banana Republic also has something called the Style Passport. So we can rent for special occasions rather than purchasing. Tip number four, if you do need to buy something new, look for sustainable brands. Look for brands that have ethical treatment of workers, brands that are using certified organic cotton. Look for clothing with no synthetic fibers or clothing name brands that have take back programs where they will continue to recycle their clothing. Or you can use the good on you app which ranks thousands of brands for their sustainability or look for the ecotex standard for green manufacturing that's spelled o-e-k-o dash t-e-x the eu even has an eco label for clothing and textiles and for retailers, you might want to look at the HIG index, H-I-G-G. This is a tool that was produced by the Sustainable Apparel Coalition to help to assess sustainability throughout the supply chain in the fashion industry. And then finally, when you are buying new, please focus on buying only what you need. And need is different than want. Now, my tip number five is to think value over the long term, and this might mean spending more. Spend more to buy something that is well-constructed, that you really love, and that you think has a timeless style. I have certainly encountered women that are wearing clothing from the 60s that look fabulous. They're high-quality items that definitely wear well and continue to look stylish. So think value over the long term. Tip number six is repair what you own. Now, if we are buying quality items, they should be able to last longer. And if something does break or if a button pops off, replace the lost button, replace the broken zipper, and you can also consider tailoring that garment to have it fit your size or fit your style needs now. So that's a great idea. Tip number seven. Finally, think about what you're going to do with it when you are finished with that garment. Can you consider selling it on consignment? We know that a person who pays for that used garment is more likely to value it. So that's excellent. They're going to continue to use it then. Can you give it to a friend who really wants it and needs it? Or is there a take-back program with the manufacturer? Finally, I understand that it can feel great to donate to thrift shops, and it is very useful for those organizations that run the thrift stores as a revenue-generating function. 
for revenue generation. But we do have to understand that donating to thrift shops is not a guilt-free solution because there really is just too much waste clothing on the market. And the vast majority of that waste clothing ends up in a landfill. And much of this is produced due to the fast fashion cycle. So getting away from that is really the key. All right. The key messages that I would like for you to take away from today's episode are, first of all, that fast fashion has a huge social and environmental cost. And sustainable fashion supports ethical production of clothing, both environmentally conscious production, as well as the fair treatment of the workers in the fashion industry. And then finally, there are lots of ways that we can have a positive influence in greening the fashion industry while still looking stylish. So that's what I would like to leave you with today. One final quote before we go from Lucy Siegel, an environmental issues journalist who said, fast fashion isn't free. Someone somewhere is paying. End of quote. That's all for now. If you are interested in exploring these issues further, please head on over to my website. It is ChristinaHunterFlourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. There you'll find all kinds of downloadable free resources, including the Sustainable Wellbeing Starter Kit and my Green Home Guide. And while you're there, please sign up for my newsletter. It comes out once a week and is full of resources and inspiration and news from the flourishing community. If you are looking for a great way to send a gift to a friend with cancer, please check out the unexpectedgiftbox.com. Finally, if you like what you are hearing, please leave me a review wherever you get your podcasts. I can't wait to talk to you again. Until then, live well green, my flourishing friends. Bye for now. 